a lot of people ask me, how did I go from the 10 year old paper route kid <laughs> that, uh, started working to being, you know, where we're at, we're over the 3 million. Um, it's books. I, I just can't, I can't emphasize that enough to people. It's the reading, it's the learning. You will never be financially wealthy if you don't believe that you can be financially wealthy. Um, and that it's us that, uh, hold ourselves back the most. Uh, like my mentor taught me, he looked at me, said, BK, the person that's holding you back. Uh, the most is the person sitting in your chair right now. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled Podcast. This is episode number 136. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Good. How are you doing? Anything new? Doing great. You know, there's not a whole lot, I guess. I mean, we're we're kind of getting into the summer swing of things, trying to get back to normal a little bit. Uh, you know, we've canceled some vacations. We're supposed to, my, my anniversary is this weekend. I, that's obviously was canceled a while ago, so... Trying to figure out, we had a Spartan race we were going to do in July. That's canceled. I, I think we're still going to go on that trip, but just want to do the, the Spartan race. But it, it's kind of a crazy time. What about y'all? Yeah, same here for us. I mean, just staying in, both of us working from home, so just trying to get out and bike. We moved downtown a little bit, so I've been able to bike in Central Park a little bit. Did the loop in just under 20 minutes today, so it's not a great time, but I'm getting there. I'll get better on a 1980 road bike, so, you know. Yeah, we got to get you on Strava so we can see all that and track all that. Make sure <laughs> I know, I had verify to, your numbers. I had to look it up, and I think, what'd you say, that the fastest time, it's a six-mile loop around Central Park. The fastest time is, what, like 12 and a half minutes or something? Yeah, on Strava it is. Yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty darn fast, or at least to me it seems that way. I, I did it in 21 minutes the other day and 20 minutes today, so put Getting on a pair faster. of bike shorts and cut a minute at a time. You know? <laughs> there you go, dude. You feel good. <laughs> you feel you feel faster. You actually ride faster. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So, we, were, we were chatting earlier today just about the show and about other things in general and business. And, you know, we've had a few friends reach out asking about, you know, stuff that we're doing and what's going on in our world. And, and uh, so we thought it'd be a little interesting maybe to, to kind of discuss some of that and you know, for for us in the, you know, we're we're, we're opening a franchise here soon, and that's been delayed, obviously, because of uh, the the coronavirus and everybody working from home and stuff. So that that's on hold. I don't have much to report there, but uh, you know, we got this this uh, cabin property that we put on Airbnb, and it was crazy. Right after everything kind of shut down, I literally lost like six to seven weeks of bookings, like literally in like three days. And, you know, South by Southwest in Austin, all sorts of things, all sorts of events and uh, everything just got canceled one right after another. And uh, it was interesting. So I ended up dropping the price about 20% from where I, I normally have it, normal levels. And all those all those bookings for those weeks started coming back. I think I had like a week lag. And then all those bookings kind of started coming back. And it was mainly people local that were working from home, just wanted to get out of the city, go get on, you know, get on, hang out at the cabin on the lake. And uh, so far, so good. So then I've actually increased pricing back to normal levels now. And uh, I've seen normal normal bookings uh, for the for most of the remainder of the summer, which is good. I think that's a good sign, at least for me personally. But definitely, I think in, in terms of the economy in general, uh, I've seen people 
kind of get back to, to some normal travel, some more normal movement. You know, what about you? What are you seeing in New York? So I'm just curious, did how long, how many weeks did you have nobody stay there? I think it was just one. I have to go back and look at my calendar, but I think it, I think it really was just one, one week. It was basically that the weekend. And I can't remember when Airbnb came out and said that, Hey, like they're just going to refund everybody no matter what. Cause I have a pretty strict cancellation policy, just given that, you know, it's, it's typical for my place to be booked out for two or three months in advance. And so I, I don't really want somebody canceling like last minute and, and not taking a hit for, right, for that. Right. So I think it was, I think whatever the 12th and the South by was supposed to be the next week. I think that first weekend, the 12th through like the, I don't know, 15th or something, uh, was the only time. And then the following weekend it got booked up. So it was, it was vacant for a week, at, you know, for, and then that time of the year, it's literally booked the whole month just because of so much going on. And I did have it booked out. Uh, so it was, you know, call it a week, but it was vacant. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not that bad. I mean, I keep reading articles and, and see that on Long Island and in the Hamptons and in the Poconos and in Pennsylvania and upstate New York, where a lot of the people from the city are leaving to go quarantine, right? Or just to kind of get out of the city. Cause they feel like, Hey, I can't be in the city. I can't do anything. I can't go to restaurants. I can't go to activities. I can't go to bars. So I might as well go out of the city. And I just, I, I see in here that prices have gone way up and we, we looked at booking a spot on Airbnb outside of the city and it was pretty expensive or pretty, I guess, standard, right? Like prices really haven't dropped here. And obviously that's cause New York's been hit the hardest, but, um, I think citywide, I saw an article that 25% of their people didn't pay their rents in May. And wow. then obviously in quite a bit. Yeah. in lower income areas, um, it, it's, it can be more than that. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what happens in, in terms of some lenders are offering forbearance, right? Others are not. Each are kind of their own terms and what they offer and how they offer it and how long the period is. And if it gets added to the back end or if the, if the principal and interest is due in one lump sum, but some at the end of the forbearance period. So I think I've, I've heard some people say, are like, oh, just go get forbearance. Well, like not every bank offers that. And if you do, sometimes it can be frowned upon, right? And so if you want to keep a good relationship with a bank, at least in, in our situations, uh, that's kind of what we've come across. But seems about seems that collections in the city wide are down probably about 20% over the last couple months has kind of been our experience and what we're hearing about from other, other big landlords as well. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to hear about how it's affecting other cities, right? Like you guys in Texas and then obviously I have family in Utah and everything's pretty normal or somewhat normal there. In, in in New York, you know, we're saying, hey, you can't go into any store without a mask on. Everybody or 98% of the people you pass on the sidewalks have masks. So it, it's interesting living in an area that's been hard, talking to people outside of the area. And then, you know, they don't it, perspective, right? Totally. Everyth everything in life, but and we perspective got a, on this is interesting. Totally. We had a, it's funny you bring up the, the mask thing. We had a restaurant owner here make the news the last week here because he has put a policy in place that you cannot come into his restaurant if you're wearing a mask. And he basically said, if you feel like you need to wear a mask, then you probably shouldn't be at my restaurant. <laughs> so kind of an interesting take. I mean, it's Texas. <laughs> you got all sorts of viewpoints everywhere. And uh, that's just his. And, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's great marketing for him in some in some respects. So, yeah, my wife and I are getting tested for antibodies tomorrow. Are you really? So we'll nice. see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So on today's show, we got BK. BK's got a net worth of $3 million. Most of his re is in retirement accounts. 
we discussed his educational path and starting a career in hospitality. BK is on his way to retiring early, and we get into the details on how he's going to accomplish that goal. Last week, we had Tim. Tim has a net worth around $30 million, almost 100% invested in multifamily real estate. Is over 3,500 uh, units and close to $300 million in value. We dive into the mindset with Tim, how to build a team, and how to execute. It's a great episode. If you want to go check that out, it's episode 135. Today's sponsor is RIMS. RIMS is a global organization dedicated to the profession of risk management. For nearly 60 years, RIMS has delivered the latest strategies and resources that allow risk professionals to grow, innovate, and succeed in any business. RIMS works with industry leaders to produce content and online training that business professionals turn to. Topics include business continuity, cyber risk, risk management techniques, the fundamentals of insurance, and more. There's also a private member-only site where people can discuss sensitive issues and get honest answers. Members have been leaning on each other as we all navigate the global pandemic. If you're concerned about the safety of your employees or and the sustainability of your organization, you need the resources and connections RIMS provides. Learn more at go.rims.org slash unveiled. You can save 25% off a year-long membership. Once again, that's go.rims.org slash unveiled. We'd love to share your financial millionaire story. Our goal is, goal is to get a broad list of guests and stories. So if you're interested, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com, and we'll get on a call and, and record an episode. Also, we've got several multifamily opportunities coming online. If you're interested, reach out to us, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Get on a call and discuss those. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with BK. BK, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and kind of what you're up to now? Absolutely. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, first and foremost, it's an honor to uh, to be a part of this. I, yeah, I grew up in small town Wisconsin, um, and so now currently reside in what I call Minnesconsin, which is uh, in the Twin Cities area uh, of Minnesota, yet uh, spend a lot of time over there in Wisconsin. And uh, my journey starts, uh, you know, at 10 years old, grew up in a family that uh, definitely role modeled what not to do with money, yet uh, my parents provided a, an awesome uh, home, regardless of that side of things. And started uh, working at 10 years old um, because um, I, I went to my dad and asked him for a pair of guest jeans, and that didn't work out very well. <laughs> uh, and he said uh, to earn it. And so from there on, I uh, started working uh, in the mornings uh, and then went to college, became one of the first college graduates of my family, graduated in uh, hospitality tourism um, because I had a dream to be a general manager of a tropical island resort somewhere. Uh, to leave the Midwest and, and head south. Yet, uh, when I was graduating, uh, it was, I could go into the hotel route of things for $15,000 a year, uh, and or, uh, and this was the mid nineties, uh, and or go the restaurant route, uh, which I ended up choosing or choosing, excuse me, and, uh, for $25,000 a year. So I thought, uh, I was kind of a high roller at that, that point because I had uh, taken out roughly $20,000 in student loans, didn't have a place to live, didn't have a car. So I knew that uh, I had to take the financial choice to go in the restaurant route, which ended up being one of the best choices uh, in my life because within a year or a little over a year, I was a 23-year-old general manager uh, running a $2 million restaurant uh, with one of the up-and-coming concepts back then. Uh, so was very uh, valuable there um, over a couple of years, but then realized that um, as a human being, you have a value to the marketplace. Um, and it's important for you to take control of that. Uh, and so ended up transitioning into another 
uh, new concept in the restaurant business. So transitioned over to there, made a little bit more money, but not much more. Uh, and then as I became successful with them, I uh, decided to get my master's degree because I felt, uh, again, I wanted to continue to create more resources for myself and my family because uh, I was recently married at that time. And my wife and I had a wonderful conversation. I came home from a restaurant on a Saturday night, as many hospitality people can attest to. And my wife looked at me and uh, her energy was kind of drained. And she said, you know, honey, I love you. And you're very good at what you do. And I didn't plan on marrying a restaurant manager the rest of my life. Uh, and she said it in a very loving and nurturing kind of way. Uh, it wasn't negative in any uh, sense. It was just to say, hey, you know what, we're building a family here. So uh, a more traditional route of uh, work would be uh, better suited. So I looked at my skills and that's when I went into organizational development uh, for my master's degree or what was called management technology and came out of there and was able to pitch my thesis on management retention for restaurants. And so I actually was able to create a new position for myself at the organization I was at because I was one of their top operators and then did the research. So we created a leadership development position for me uh, with recruitment and management training and development. Was uh, very successful with that. And then, uh, you know, one of my mentors uh, was the owner, founder of the company, and he was big into personal development. And that's where a lot of things changed for me uh, because I fell in love with books discovered, you know, on the strengths finder that my number one strength is learner, which is very true to this day. I uh, love reading books and fell in love with leadership training because I was able to go to, you know, the Jim Rohns, the Zig Ziglar's, the Tony Robbins and study under them and be a part of that um, because of the relationship of my mentors and fell in love with leadership training. Uh, and so fast forward a number of years uh, of doing that, not only in the nonprofit world where we won some honors and, and awards on that side of things. Um, we were working with some youth and inner city youth and doing all those kinds of things. So I had left the corporate America to run the nonprofit uh, and decided that, you know, financially uh, running a nonprofit is very different than the value in the marketplace elsewhere. And so I wanted to supplement my uh, income on that. So I, I stayed in the, the marketplace doing leadership trainings and, and speaking and all of that. And then in roughly 2011, 2010, my wife and I decided that, uh, that I was going to follow my dream of getting a doctorate and become the world's greatest college professor uh, because I loved teaching um, and mentoring other people and just helping them with their lives uh, across the board. Uh, and so I was able to teach at the, the University of Minnesota um, and did that for a year. And after a year, I found out that that was no longer my dream <laughs> because of just the bureaucracy and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and in that transition, my wife and I decided to bet on me my business, my trainings, uh, all of that, the teachings out there in the world. So became basically uh, an entrepreneur uh, because uh, I had read uh, one of Robert Kiyosaki's books, The Cashflow Quadrants, uh, and, and realized you know, that I was just an employee over all those years. And in order to really create financial freedom down the road that my wife and I would have to start uh, you know, getting into the other quadrants. Um, and so really started to put a plan in place on that side of it and uh, then wrote a book, uh, became an award-winning book. Uh, and I've won a number of other awards as far as trainer speaker guy. I uh, honored and blessed with that. And so now we are semi-retired or I am semi-retired. The plan is uh, my wife uh, has been working this entire time as well. Uh, she's in the IT field. And so she's very good at what she does, yet she has never want, wanted to go into the leadership side of it. She just, she comes in, does her, uh, her job very, very, very well, 
uh, as well. She's a great teammate. Um, yet she's also committed, you know, to be the world's greatest wife and the world's greatest mother, which she does an awesome job at. And so, uh, our plan is that, uh, she's going to put in a couple more years. And, um, I mean, we're in a place, our net worth now has crossed the, uh, $3 million threshold, which is, uh, again, we're very blessed and grateful for that. Yet we also realized that uh, it took a lot of hard work uh, and a lot of discipline and a lot of learning um, to be able to create that. And so we want to definitely continue to maintain that. I guess our biggest challenge at this point um, would be um, our question is on the health side of things or the health insurance side of things. Uh, so we're continuing to explore and learn from everybody else that has come before us uh, on that side of things. Um, to see where we land, um, because my wife uh, has some medical things that uh, monthly basis can be very, very expensive. And so we got to make sure that we fall in line to get the, the best coverage as possible, because um, right now our plan is to self-insure as much as we can and then go down the path of other uh, that the FI community or the fire community and just learn from them to be able to do that. Awesome, man. That's a lot. Let's get into some of this in a little bit more detail. So your net worth sitting at three million today. How's that kind of broken up? Yeah, um, uh, the majority of it is in our retirement accounts. We have about one point seven five million in our retirement accounts, which include a number, uh, a few traditional, a uh, few Roths, and then our four hundred one ks, as well as about a quarter of a million dollars uh, will be available to us on my wife's pension. Uh, at the current value, but that's going to continue to go up. Uh, and our plan there is, is because we probably won't have to access that right away. We may hold off uh, as long as we can to to continue to allow that to go to the highest levels as possible. Um, we have about uh, 150000 in a brokerage account. Um, I'm starting to build that up because of just the bridge um, from because I'm 47 right now and my wife is 45. And so just looking at the, the strategies of bridging from here to 59 and a half um, and looking to, to do all of those kinds of things. Uh, we have 200,000 in cash right now. Uh, and that's partly because of um, we just recently transitioned out of Ameriprise, who we had been with for 20 years or roughly 20 years to self-managing. So we closed some of the variable uh, universal life policies we had there we cash those out. And so we have some extra cash right now that I'm reinvest into commercial real estate because that's our other holding is, is we own two commercial real estate buildings down south. Um, uh, some of my clients slash partners own some uh, medical businesses. And so what we do is we actually build the buildings, then they sign the leases, uh, which works out really well. Um, and then uh, one other arm of our commercial real estate right now is it's almost more of a commercial real estate lending. It's a similar thing where we're building the medical building for that one tenant. Uh, however, in this other partnership, what we're doing is we're actually selling it right when it opens and then moving those resources into building another one and then selling that immediately and getting a, a significant, significant return doing it that way. Our recent one was a uh, over a fifty percent return, so we we're very happy with with that process. and And I'm looking to use more resources in in that area. Awesome. And is the stuff that's in your traditional Roth and and four hundred one k accounts are those primarily invested index funds, mutual funds, digital stocks? What's kind of the makeup there? Yeah, I, I mean ninety ninety eight percent of it. Uh, well, actually, uh, 90 to 95% is in equities, uh, low cost index funds. And that was partly, um, some of the shift from being with Ameriprise, uh, for almost 20 years to shifting to Vanguard. 
uh, and doing the self-management was just uh, as as we continued to go up in our net worth, I was realizing how much we were paying in fees. And we're blessed and grateful for those lessons and the partnership we had with Ameriprise. Um, our advisor was fantastic. Um, yet at the same time, we also realized with my continued knowledge in this space, uh, it's not that it wasn't worth it. It was just when you started to look at the return on investment of value, when you're paying tens and tens of thousands of dollars in fees for the couple meetings of years and all of that kind of stuff, it just wasn't, we weren't getting the return anymore. So we've shifted to the low cost index funds. Awesome. Did you say, I know you said you had some commercial units. Did you say you had any residential? No, uh, we just have, uh, our houses paid off. The primary house, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're 100% so, debt free. So how did you, how did this, this commercial space for some of these medical businesses, how did you find the partners for that? How did you connect with that? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the, the big lessons I've learned over the, the life is, you know, everybody talks about that you become the five people you hang out with. And uh, one of my clients that that I do my uh, organizational culture and leadership development, personal development work for, uh, also is a real estate guy um, and has been in real estate for a number of years. And so I just asked him if, hey, could I tag along and start learning and, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. And and he absolutely has taken me under his wing. And um, it's a win-win scenario for him um, because we ended up you know, doing prime most of the funding of the the building per se, and he brings the expertise and the work because it's very hands off. Uh, they do uh, from start to finish the deal and the paperwork and the administration side of things. Uh, we did the investment, and then we get our quarterly checks uh, yeah. coming out, which my wife is uh, very pleased with in regards to <laughs> the, <laughs> the return on investment yeah. side of things. Uh, and you know, you're you're partnering with somebody that has thirty plus years in the real estate business, so you trust. Uh, right. His judgment and all of that kind of stuff, and also the the company that is leasing the building from us. I'm doing work with them, so I know their culture, I know their leadership, I know the path of the organization as well. So it's it's an indirect way of knowing that things are going to be okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 it does. So the partners that you're partnering with this on, do they live near to you or more locally to where the project is? Uh, more locally to the the projects. Okay, so that's got to add a little bit of, of uh, or some element of, of comfort, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the the crews or the the employees, staff members, the leaders of those buildings that it's a triple net lease, so they're taking care of the buildings, all that kind of stuff. Um, they're actually graduates of my program too, so I know them personally. So that makes a guy feel a little bit better uh, right. as well. Um, and I know that that's not always going to be the case. Um, yet at this time, you know, as I'm getting, getting my feet wet and understanding it and appreciating it, uh, and learning about it, um, because sure. I ask a lot of questions, uh, it's working out really well. So how much are you putting into each of these deals? Uh, let's see. Uh, one of them, uh, was about, uh, a hundred thousand. And then the other one was 150,000 on the two buildings that, that were, uh, percent owners of. And then, the other ones that we've started to do now, the ones where we're building the buildings and then looking to um, sell those uh, within the uh, few months of opening, on those, uh, I can do smaller increments. And so I've been doing anywhere between like thirty five and 55000 into each of those because my strategy there is to, I'll, I'm calling it my real estate ladder that, that I'll do one now and then in a couple months do another one and then a couple months do another one so that. Uh, I continuously have some liquidity on those resources coming back. 
Understood. So that's my plan anyway. (laughs) Right. So are you guys all equal partners in the deal or is somebody a general partner and a limited partner or like who who has, I guess, the power to make the decisions? Who's the main operating partner? Yeah. On the, on the, the two buildings that we own, my primary uh, mentor owns that. Uh, or he owns gotcha. 51, 51%. And I knew going into the deal that that was, that was part of the deal, um, for me learning and all of that. And I knew that there is better options out there yet. I knew that there wasn't a better option for me to learn. Uh, well, it's, it, it seems you know, like financially you've, you've had great returns. And, and I guess the question I should have asked rather is, is there, what's the carrier is there a promotional interest for him because he is the general partner kind of how is the deal structured is it just dollar for dollar dollar for dollar and the equity you put in your contribution is how um, the distributions will get get relayed out yeah yeah uh and it was a uh, like i own uh in one of them it's 33 percent um or a little over 33 percent and then the other one it's 25 percent okay got it so ba- backing up from this real estate, I just I want to take a high level approach here. It seems like personal development is has played a big piece into your your career development a and obviously also in, into the success of what you're doing and branching out and meeting people, right? How have you gone Absolutely. about doing that? Is it talking to people? Is it reading books? Is it educating yourself through podcasts and websites or a combination? How have you kind of gone about trying to develop yourself personally? Yeah, I uh I mean, a lot of people ask me, how did I go from the 10 year old paper route kid <laughs> that, uh, started working to being, you know, where we're at, we're over the 3 million. Um, it's books. I, I just can't, I can't emphasize that enough to people. It's the reading. It's the learning. Now in today's world, you know, books can be audiobooks, uh, podcasts. I have fallen in love with it. You know, one of my big, I'm not a big goal. Uh, what is it? New Year's resolutions guy. Uh, I'm a one word guy that uh, you pick a word for the year and that's your theme. And so over the years, you know, I did finish and then a couple years ago it was health. And so now I walk three miles every single day. So I get a couple podcasts in, you know, every single day. Uh, I read 90 books last year, 82 the year before. I've read over a thousand books. And so, and when I read them, I study them, I take out what I'm, what I'm getting out of it. And then I regurgitate that into, you know, sharing with my tribe. Um, graduates of my programs and all that kind of stuff to just continue to pay it forward to them, um, to be able to help that. Cause over my journey, I mean, the books that, you know, really changed the financial journey was I was a 23 year old general manager of the restaurant and a guy from Northwestern Mutual Life came in and asked me if I was doing any, uh, retirement planning and all that kind of stuff. And at that time, one of the mistakes I made was, I thought retirement accounts, because I had no financial education. Uh, again, I thought the 401ks was they were taking my money, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense now. Um, but in that moment, that's, that's how I felt. So I didn't participate at, at my first company really on the retirement account. And he handed me a book. Uh, and the book was the, uh, the millionaire next door. And I devoured it and realized that, wow, I, I could be that guy, uh, you know, down the road, that kind of stuff. Cause I was a big believer in, and, and reading books and all that kind of stuff. And so that was the first book that really kind of altered my mindset. And then I read another book by Belasco and Steyer called uh, Flight of the Buffalo, which is more of a leadership book. But on there, uh, there's a quote that is my favorite quote of all time that says, understand that I am the problem, accepting that enables me to be the solution. And I've lived that from that day 
on and I teach that. I mentor it. I coach other people on it because it's just if you want something out of your life, you have to go after it. And then as the journey continued to go on, uh, you know, I came across and got to study under Zig Ziglar. And, you know, Zig's big teaching that really emphasized me is he said, you can have anything in, in life that you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want first. And I'd always been a service mentality person, always wanting people to be happy and, and successful and, and just have a good time. Uh, the crazy thing is for me as a speaker, trainer, author guy, I'm a natural introvert. So I would much rather be in the woods hiking or reading a book all by myself. <laughs> so, uh, what I found on my journey, is uh, one of the life lessons is is we're all given gifts. We're, we're all given skills that nobody else in this world has. And you can either choose to use them um, at the highest level and develop them because that is what you were gifted with. Um, or you can go do something that, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm going to follow my passion and I really like to do this. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yet if you're not very good at it, unfortunately, you're not going to bring much value to the marketplace, which is not going to make you very happy and very positive and all of that. And, and so you could go down a different cycle. And so what I remind myself and tell people to this day is, is you're given gifts and you may not like those gifts. Uh, and you have to be okay with that. Um, I'm not saying that you have to use them in the marketplace. If, if, if you're miserable and not wanting to use those gifts, yet that would create the most value for you out there in the world um, to be able to do that. And then the other books that uh, I ended up really fallen in love with was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, after that book, I wanted to go buy re real estate. And I'm still very much interested in the real estate. Yet, I have really kind of jumped over the uh, owning the single family homes and, and the rent rental properties and all that kind of stuff, just because I, I, I think I've been tainted by the commercial real estate side of things that I'm enjoying that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus there uh, at this point. But then one other book that really really changed for my wife and I on the financial side was a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. That gave us a better framework of budgeting uh, and also even more importantly, the psychology of wealth. I'm just understanding that you will you will never um, be financially wealthy if you don't believe that you can be financially wealthy um, and that it's us that uh, hold ourselves back the most. Uh, like my mentor taught me, he looked to me and said, BK, the person that's holding you back uh, the most is the person sitting in your chair right now. Uh, and that was absolutely true. And it is to this day going back to understand that I am the problem. Therefore, I can be the solution side of things. And so looking at life and, you know, whether they're financial challenges or opportunities the same way that there, there is success leaves clues, as Tony Robbins uh, has always said. Um, and so continuing to study the successful ones that have come before me and us uh, and taking the golden nuggets that work for us and leave the things that don't work for us. Um, to evolve into what uh, what my wife and I have created as far as our own financial path, because there's so many ways to to get to where we're at. Yet we've been enjoyed our our ride because I, I believe it's important to have fun on this on this financial money journey versus yeah. uh, doing the, the the extreme frugality side of things uh, has its place. Uh, it's just not where my wife and I have decided that that our family was going to take that path. We're frugal. Sure. Yet uh, we weren't going to do the extreme side of things. Yeah, and and that book you mentioned, T. Harv Eker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That's what. Yeah, that, that's what you mentioned, right? Yeah, that's a, re a really fantastic book. I read it a few years ago, and and totally recommend it. Ninety books a month, though. I got to circle back to that, or ninety books a year. Excuse me, that's yeah. seven and a half a month. How do you find the time to do that? Yeah. Um, well, 
being semi-retired now, you know, it gives me a lot of time and space. So I spend every time or every day spending an hour of giving, an hour of gratitude kind of thing, which is uh, what Tony Robbins call it, the hour of power or power hour, whatever it is. I'm just spending time reflecting and reading and doing all that kind of stuff. And then before bed, I'll do some reading. I just, uh, it is my number one energy tank filler. Uh, and so I let everybody in the world know that your number one priority is to fill and manage your energy tank um, every day and stop getting distracted on all these other things and focus on really what fills your energy tank. And so I, I make mm. it a priority. Um, yeah. Just like I now make my, my priorities are my wife, my kids, and then my tribe, you know, the people I have the opportunity to serve. And when you have your priorities right, uh, everything else takes care of itself. Because uh, many people say I don't have time, uh, and I don't believe it's about time. I believe it's about your priorities, um, and just really emphasizing uh, those. And so, reading reading books has always been a big big part of our journey. And for us to get to, you know, way beyond our our fire number or FI number, uh, without even realizing it, because I didn't come across the fire movement until last year. You know, I had heard some things on some podcasts. I think I was listening to. Uh, another great podcast of the, the real estate side of things, um, bigger pockets. And there was some, some interviews and all that stuff. And so I came across JL Collins book, um, the simple path to wealth. And that was like, Oh, how awesome is that? Number one, we're doing that. <laughs> Number two, that has really helped me simplify where we're going. Uh, and then I read a number of other books last year that uh, really kind of just reemphasize that uh, quit like a millionaire really enjoyed that one work optional uh, choose FI. I mean, there were so many that were all saying similar things and backing it up and just giving different strategies and such to, to create, you know, the, I, I won't say we have a, a set plan right now because I'm still learning uh, every day. Um, obviously reading that many books, I'm going to get exposed to a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of people challenge me going, well, 90 books, dude, how do you apply all that? Well, I'm in a place now that that I, I, I am able to apply the lessons. I, I will say after reading a thousand books, when I pick up a, a new book, it's not a big aha as much as it used to be. So I can I can read books a lot faster than I used to where, you know, books that 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 I was reading early on in my journey, you know, it, it'd be hours on one page, just studying it, highlighting it, pulling from it, that kind of stuff where. I don't necessarily have to carry a highlighter around with me anymore like I mm. used to. <laughs> yeah. How do you, I'm just curious, do you buy books? Do you library? Do you Kindle? How do you read them? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hard, hard book guy. Um, so I am still, you know, that's, that's probably where I, uh, you know, one of my splurges is books. Um, and so I, I look to buy them as cheaply as possible on whether it's used books and or Amazon, um, side of things just because I am, I, I do like to, to get into it and mark it up and all that kind of stuff. So, so gotcha. I've always been one to, to be able to do that. And a couple of years ago, we, we ended up having to basically create a library in our house, which is the most beautiful thing ever anyway. So <laughs> I was just going to gonna say, can you, can you send us a picture of your library after this? Yeah. Of just, you know, I, I'm walking around my office or what I call my library office and I'm just looking around going, man, each of these books had an impact on my life and it's, that means a lot to me. You know, it's like, you know, it's somebody took the time and energy to put their, their story or their, their information in there. Now, some people, you know, write books for other reasons. Yet I just, I, you know, I spend a lot of time 
on the FI books right now, just because again, it's still relatively new to me. Yet uh, I love biographies and autobiographies, uh, just learning about other people's lives and their decisions. And, you know, you read Andrew Carnegie yeah. books and that kind of stuff. And it's, yeah, that you just realize that the media gives you the pitch that these people are happy and successful and have always been that way. And it's like, no, that's, that's the farthest thing from the truth when you actually get into learning other people's stories and all of that. And that's what I appreciate about what you guys do. And this podcast is one of my favorites is just because it's real people doing real things that, you know, can, can be a, a tool and resource for other people to have a different life if they choose to. Uh, and it's not wrong if they don't, yet it's still, I, I think it's a commitment for all of us to just be able to share the wisdom and, and share what we have learned with other people without having to really benefit from it. That's not what it's about. It's about just giving back and paying it forward so that, you know, the world's going to be a better place. Uh, you know, my kids are going to grow up in a better community and in and, and a, and a better world if we all do that. Yeah, totally agree. And, and thank you, Christian. By, uh, that quit like a millionaire. That's Christian Bryce, right? Yeah, yeah. That wrote that. That's who we had on just uh, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, that yeah, was a awesome. really interesting story. So I would normally ask this at the end, but I think it fits in here. Are there, I mean, what are your top three or five books? What would you recommend <laughs> to people? Oh, you're killing me on the three to five. Well, uh, one of the books that uh, is not necessarily financially related that that I highly recommend uh, is my kind of my go-to book is The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Um, just a, a yes, that, that book is just uh, overall for life is fantastic. I would say uh, as far as on the financial side, uh, that besides the books that I kind of uh, mentioned, Think and Grow Rich would be, uh, I would throw that in there. Let's see, uh, your money uh, or your life was fantastic as well. I also loved this year, Millionaire Teacher by Andrew Hollum, uh, Freelance to Freedom uh, was was very cool as well, I thought. Set for Life was a good one. And then I just finished uh, The Wealthy Gardener, which is a unique way. It's more of a story kind of thing versus the numbers side of things. And I thought that there were some good life lessons in that one uh, as well. So that those would be some of the ones besides the ones that I mentioned uh, to be able to, to pull some things from. Um, and one of the other guys that I haven't mentioned, um, that I have learned a lot from back in the day was David Bach, uh, the automatic millionaire and some of, uh, some of those. Cause I thought his approach and simplicity of things was it at least resonated with me back then very, very much. So, so BK, you've got this great net worth. You've got semi-retirement, in your life right now, you got all these books you're reading, all the self-development things you're doing. Where do you go from here? Do you have a target net worth? I know you said your wife's going to potentially retire here in the next little bit. What's kind of the plan going forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, my wife and I talk about it on a regular basis because um, I have, uh, you know, I love traveling, uh, hiking. Uh, I do a lot of family history and genealogy stuff, which is Another thing I recommend to everybody to be able to do to really learn where you came from, because I grew up this shy, in, I'll call it introverted kid that didn't believe in himself. And now I realize that my family came over on the Mayflower and uh, my family started uh, many of the cities in Connecticut and all this stuff. And it's mind blowing to realize that that wasn't passed down in my family. Um, to realize that kind of stuff that uh, many times, again, we hold ourselves back. And so I have a lot of things that that I'm involved with and can continue to to do because I can go and speak and train uh, on a semi-retired basis pretty easily. 
Um, whereas my wife, you know, a lot of the conversation right now is, is on what totally makes her happy. Um, you know, besides being the, the, the wonderful wife and, and, uh, mother that she is, I'm like, yeah, but the kids are gone in five years. <laughs> so, so what's next? And so a lot of our conversations are revolving around that right now. Um, to, to be able to explore those kinds of things. And so, yeah. you know, we, we started snowshoeing this winter. You know, we've lived on a golf course for 20 years and, and never took advantage of that beauty during the winter. And so we've started to do that and we're enjoying, you know, just getting out and exploring that side of things. And so I'm going to keep growing, keep learning. Um, and, and that's not going to change. Uh, and so I look forward to, to continue to, uh, go down this real estate path because I've just, I've always been interested in, in that side of things. So I can see me spending some time there. Yet we both don't want to lock ourselves down to anything. Uh, you know, part of us getting to a financial freedom uh, point was, you know, I, I look at financial freedom uh, as two things. Number one, freedom. And number two, options. Uh, we wanted to have unlimited options for ourselves to to be able to go where we wanted to go when we wanted to go there and not have to worry about the resources side of it and or, you know, worry about somebody else. And so, you know, we feel very good at the 3 million mark, yet I know we would probably feel even way better at 5 million and where we're trending and the things that we have lined up over the next couple of years, I, I don't see any obstacle to that. Um, yet the good news is, is we're not this, this money focused people that hard charging kind of stuff. I'm not saying that that's wrong. That's just a different energy, um, that we're not in. Um, we're, we're at a very, very great energy place. Um, yet we also want to take advantage of any opportunities there because one of the greatest philosophies ever is getting your money to work for you. Uh, and so continuing to figure out other avenues to that, which my, my word or theme this year is next. And so it's it, what I'm doing is, is looking at my business. Cause I have part of our streams of income. We have, uh, I have my trainings and my book and all that. So I've licensed some other trainers out there in the world and so they're actually out doing the teachings. Uh, they're benefiting from it. The organizations are benefiting from it. And then my business is benefiting as well. And so continuing to expand that per, uh, per se, not from a build a company side of things. Cause again, I'm not interested in, in managing, you know, people, uh, anymore. Um, yet just, uh, partnership with them to be able to do that. And then licensing my stuff as well as my clients want me to keep working. Um, yet I've also been very open to them that I'm starting to bring in my other trainers, um, to do it where again, I'm benefiting the clients benefiting and these other trainers are benefiting as well. So that the, yeah. the message, uh, continues to move forward. So continue to, to, to look at all avenues on that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. So just, uh, changing gears here a little bit. What's your house worth your primary residence in the little under a half a million. And is that fully paid off or do you have a mortgage? Yeah. 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 Do you have do you have any debt at all in your life? I mean, credit cards besides that, any no, debt? Absolutely zero. So and and when when did that kind of was that always the case? Did you have student loans? Yeah, we uh, you know twenty some years ago when we started the journey, uh, you know when when that uh, Northwestern Mutual gentleman came in, I started uh, uh, with twenty five dollars a month. I was so proud of myself uh, to to start investing. You know, twenty some years ago at that level to be where we're at now. And so I had twenty thousand dollars in student loans, about fifteen thousand in a car loan, um, and then uh, when my wife and I uh, got married, you know, we got our first townhome, so we had debt there. She also had a car payment. Uh, we we've been very good on uh, you no know, credit card side of things. Uh, we've always been good with that. 
side of things. And so in 2017, we paid off the mortgage. Um, finally, was our final payment uh, about two years ago now. So we're actually almost three now. Wow, that's Good crazy. Um, and so that changes the game, as you guys know. That uh, all of a sudden you don't, you know, you you're basically uh, well. You also realize what you're paying in taxes now too. So, <laughs> so yeah. our, 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 our path at this point is to actually, we're starting to explore where home base will be, you know, over the next three to five years, just thinking in terms of taxes and, and sure. all that stuff. Cause, uh, where we're at, it's not one of the, the, the friendliest states when it comes to, especially estate taxes down the road. So, mm. uh, we'll, we'll definitely, well, we always have a place, uh, in Wisconsin. Yet, uh, looking, uh, I love the mountains. So somewhere, uh, Southwest kind of thing and or Florida may end up being one of the avenues too, because of the tax side of things. So nice. So just before we wrap up and and do some advice or or investing mistakes, just want to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So what's the most expensive car you've ever purchased? I, you know, I've never been a big car guy. I, until a few years ago, I got my, uh, 2018, uh, Ford Explorer Sport, uh, all black. Uh, every time I get into that a couple years later, I'm still loving life. Um, 40, 40,000, uh, 40,000. We're, okay. we're a big believer in getting not, uh, new cars, but, uh, the last year's model and they have like a thousand miles on them or 2000 miles on them. So you get a great deal, uh, by doing that. And then we get the peace of mind for four or five years of, of everything being covered. So, okay. What about the most expensive meal that you've personally paid for? Probably four or five hundred dollars. A group of my tribe, the graduates of my program, just out having beverages because one of my favorite things to do in my free time is to drink barrel aged imperial stouts, craft beer. <laughs> okay. What along this journey, financial journey, has been worth spending more money on to you, and what's not worth spending money on? Um, I would say travel um, would be worth the spending time on um, because of just the memories that my kids, you know, we've started to do uh, national park trips every year and all of that stuff. And they still talk about them and all of that. So our primary focus is on uh, on those side of things. Um, as far as spending money on things that uh, or that I don't, uh, it would be probably TV uh, related kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't like to spend much time on the TV side of things, uh, okay. unless it's where I'm learning something. Okay. Have you ever used a financial advisor? Yeah, we started with, uh, Northwestern mutual. Uh, and then I learned, he put me in some whole life policies and some other stuff and realized that, uh, afterwards. Cause again, very naive back in the day and then transitioned to Ameriprise and was there with them almost 20 years, uh, until this last, and we still have, uh, very little there. Um, but there was just some, some elements there that uh, that still remain, but they're like thirty five thousand dollars worth of stuff, uh, and we moved uh, all the other assets over to Vanguard now. So, okay, uh, range of, as much as you're comfortable sharing here, range of household income through your work in life. I looked this up. I mean, the last roughly thirteen to fifteen years, um, any our AGI has been anywhere from one twenty to two twenty. Okay. And then lastly, b- before uh, ad- final advice and mistakes, what does happiness mean to you? What does it mean to be happy or fulfilled? And has this money brought that to you? Yeah, um, I think the happiness is, uh, for me, is is doing what you love when you want to do it. Uh, so that freedom and option side of things. Um, and then And then making sure that you keep 
your your what I call happiness tree in front of you, which lists all the things that that make you happy. And again, making those priorities uh, uh, in your life side of things. Um, has the money made us happier? I'm a big believer that money does, it makes everything bigger uh, in regards to what was already there. And so we were pretty positive and happy to begin with. So it is definitely given us more freedom and more options. And so uh, the good news is, is we're very humbled and grateful and blessed every day. And, and I believe when you put that energy out to the universe, uh, the universe listens to that and continues to bless us with whether it's meeting new people or new opportunities. You know, this thought last week was awesome because I actually went to uh, my first uh, FI group or local group uh, get together. And that was very cool to be around like-minded people that are, you know, on this FI journey um, together to share stories and experiences and knowledge and wisdom. So look forward to continuing to hang out with people that are uh, on a, on a similar path. Yeah, that's awesome. So BK, if you were to give some advice to somebody who's just starting out or is trying to struggling, kind of trying to find their feet, what would you tell them? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, well, number one, I think, uh, the, the growth side of things is just start reading, you know, articles online, listening to podcasts, just start to understand that, that wealth is possible. Uh, number one. Um, and, uh, after I had read secrets of the millionaire mind, I actually had created this workshop and I call it the wealth wheel. And so what I tell people is there's five components of, of wealth and no matter where you're at on it, number one, uh, aspect of, a, of any wheel to be able to successfully go where you want it to go. It has to have that inner tube, right? And so I call that the psychology of wealth. You have to have a positive psychology around wealth. Uh, you can't be angry at people that have wealth and frustrated and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then number two, you have to have a plan. Uh, you have to decide what kind of lifestyle that you want um, and what that looks like, as well as then a, 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 a budget of sorts. Uh, I mean, my wife and I are in a place where we don't have a necessary budget. I mean, everything's automated. So I guess you could say we're we're on a budget. Um, but then you also have to get tools and resources. So books and uh, articles and all that stuff to keep your growth learning. And then I believe in building a team around you so that this is not a, an alone journey. So reach out to others. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, I would have said, get a financial planner. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm still okay with financial planners. I, I still believe that there's, there's some value there yet. I would do more of a fee-based, um, uh, one versus, you know, where, where they take the, the percentage of things. Um, and then ultimately it's the consistent action. Um, if you don't take action on your finances or in life, you will never get the results that you're looking for. And so you, you're holding yourself back by not acting now. And so it's just getting consistent action going forward and ultimately allowing your money to work for you. Cause when I started to envision that, that, you know, you, you got my wife's income, my income, and then all of a sudden we can get our money working for us. Um, besides then all these additional, um, sources of income, um, that we have now, it's, it's crazy. It is, what is it? The eighth wonder of the world, uh, our friend compounding interest. And as you see that coming to fruition, you get even more momentum and more energy towards, wow, this can really go wherever we want it to go. As long as we trust the process and don't, don't get, uh, too emotional on the ups and downs of things and knowing that there's going to be ups and downs. Uh, to things. Yeah, don't go the journey alone. Make sure that uh, that you're reaching out and asking for help when it's time to ask for help. 
That's awesome. Once again, that's BK with a net worth of $3 million. If you're interested in learning more about him, reach out to us at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com and we, and we can get you in touch. Thanks again for coming on the show, BK. Thank you, gentlemen, for the time and energy. And again, best wishes as you keep putting out one of the best podcasts out there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.